Hello, everyone. Welcome back to In the Race podcast. This is Corey Funk, and I have with me Kevin Bandy. Uh, just wanted to quickly introduce ourselves because we did forget to do that in this podcast and also give you a little heads up. Uh, there's a bunch of lift noises and impact wrenches in the background of this one. We know it's there. Just wanted to give you guys a heads up in advance. Looking forward to talking through some fun stuff with you today. And here it goes. Crack the beer. Cheers. Ah. Not Bud Light. Not Bud Light. This is a Terrapin Luau Passion Fruit Orange Guava IPA. <laughs> I actually like that a lot. It's really good. Shout out to our buddy Ray, who told us that we can't be drinking Bud Light every episode, and he hooked us up with this. So thanks, Ray. So this ep- this whole podcast is all about uh, getting into racing and sponsorships, and who knew... <laughs> We'd just get a sponsorship just by like somebody being upset that we were drinking terrible beer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Ray, Ray's a good friend. I know he's not asking for a shout out, but it's the least we can do. Yeah. Um. And yeah, this this is better. It's I'll better than that. <laughs> I agree. Oh, that's refreshing too. Cool. Well, this episode, I figured it's about time that we actually do what we said we're going to do in this podcast. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about, um, I've, I've got some updates on the build update on my car. So that I want to talk about that. I think we've got a little bit to talk about for Corey's Miata because we're still both in the Miata game. <laughs> As of right now. <laughs> As of least. right now. Maybe not much longer. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe not even by the time you listen to this. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and then I... I think there's actually some real stories of getting into racing that I can share today, which I'm really excited about. And we've got some questions from you guys. Yeah, believe it or not, we've, we've got enough of an audience. Some yeah. people are giving us some feedback. So we'll try to address some of those today, and we'll just see how this goes as a format. And so keep sending us questions. Maybe, maybe this will be something we do more often. Yep. Sounds great. Cool. All right, hit us with those updates. Let's do it. Okay. What's going on with the Miata? The Miata is now actually turning into a race car. I am buying parts. I'm doing that part. That's the easy part, right? Yeah, you bought a lot of parts. I bought a lot of parts. <laughs> so my, um, I can't physically touch my credit card right now because it is on fire. <laughs> um, uh, there's a new program in Gridlife's um, time trial like assortment of programs. There's a new class and they called it club TR or club track rat. And I, a quick plug, I made a video about it because like we're talking about, let's figure out how to get into racing. I wanted to jump in and capture some of the intention around it. So I said, okay, this is what I think is cool about this new grid life class. I tried to name it really well on YouTube <laughs> and I, I've got some feedback. Some people were like, oh man, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. It was perfectly timed to like right when everybody was trying to figure out what the heck it was because it had just been announced. Exactly. Here's this perfect video from Kevin Bandy. Getting some like go. marketing ninja stuff going on, trying to, trying to get out there. Anyways, this Club TR program is... In my eyes, they built it so that there is a transition from taking your street car and then turning it into a GLTC wheel-to-wheel race car. I ultimately want to race wheel-to-wheel GLTC, but I've got to find a way to spread out my costs 
And initially I was thinking, well, I'm just not going to race until the car's fully built. And if it takes a while, so be it. So now I've got a way to start racing really soon. And when I say really soon, I mean June. As in like right before we started recording, right before we clicked record, the last thing I did is I bought tickets to <laughs> Grid Life um, Chicago, which is uh, Audubon. Yep. And I don't know this track. Honestly, everything I know about this track is from like digging in and watching all of Emil Tab's videos. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to come off as fanboying or or trying to learn too much from the competition. But um, Emil, I appreciate you answering all my my questions um, so far. Hopefully, yeah. you continue to do so. <laughs> <laughs> so the in order to get out and run. Uh, Club TR, my car needs basic maintenance and it needs safety stuff. That's not what it needs to be competitive, but that's what it needs before I can even show up. So that's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on getting a big enough set of wheels that I can actually fit my big brake kit under it. I've got a uh, a Willwood little big brake kit. Yeah, four piston. And Corey knows more about it than I do because I actually bought it from him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just the four-piston Willwood kit that everybody puts on the front of their Miatas. I think it's also the same caliper that's on that's popular with other applications too, like 350Z, E36, E46. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I think it's all the same stuff. Now, it actually uses a two-piece rotor, um, a pretty honking serious one too. It's a... Uh, it's not one of those that just works on a stock rotor, um, but they've got a little bit bigger of a caliper. And I'm hoping that means this thing's got a ton of heat capacity, hopefully a lot of stopping power. Yeah. I drove those exact calipers, actually, on uh, Jack's V6 Miata that was making like 250 horsepower, and they were fantastic. So if they can handle that, I think they can handle... 99 horsepower Miata. <laughs> <laughs> it should be more than enough for my car in its current form, and hopefully it'll be great um, when it's fully case-swapped. Yep. So in order to be competitive in this in this class, I need to be case-swapped. But I don't plan to be case-swapped by June. My plan instead is, again, maintenance and safety. So I've got to make sure just everything's top-notch. Um, you know, do an oil change, uh, do a quick little tune-up, probably new plugs and wires and things like that. Things that I don't have to spend much money or much time to try to make sure the car just runs a little bit better. It's it's not going to make much power. It's going to be slow. <laughs> I will not be competitive. But I'm hoping I can get out there on 245 RT660 Falcons and at least be able to hook through the turns. Yeah. Um, if you're not familiar with Club TR, they... They make it specific to displacement. You have to have under, I think, 2.5 liter displacement um, or a turbo 1.6 or smaller. Um, but then all you, the things... You, sorry, do you meet both of those requirements? Is your Miata 1.6? No, no, no. This okay. one's a 1. 1.8. I wasn't that sure. Would be funny. <laughs> yeah, that sorry. would be funny. I could put a little turbo on it. Um, maybe if I like filled some, some of the cylinders or something... <laughs> I got a smaller displacement. Um, so the car fits, but not I not well. Um, but what I do need is safety. I don't actually fit in this car um, and pass broomstick. So if you don't know what broomstick is, basically they take your roll bar and like your A pillar, and you could put a yardstick or a broomstick 
um, across there. And if your helmet is above that line, then it's unsafe because if you were to roll, your head would hit the ground first. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. Um, so I don't pass because the stock seat, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit, I'm not that tall. I'm like 5'8", um, but maybe I'm a little torso tall, or maybe Meowths are just that small yeah. um, because I would they not are. pass. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people do what's called like a foamectomy. And I've done that before. Really? Yeah. It's a lot of work for very little gain. I'll say that. And that. <laughs> you got to take the whole seat apart and rip the cover off, and then you're in there with like with your fingers or like a really sketchy exacto knife, like trying to cut out as much foam as you can and make it look as nice as possible. You might as well just get a bucket seat, which is what yeah. you did too, right? It's exactly what I did. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say I'm ashamed of it, but I love supporting local companies, but there's this weird like loophole. This company, I think in Ireland called Murray Motorsports somehow sells seats way cheaper than everyone else <laughs> and so much so that when they ship them to america and they tack on some many hundreds of dollars of shipping they're still a lot cheaper so i bought my uh my racing seats through them and i don't know how long they'll take to get here uh, but i've got a pair of omp hter 400 seats so these are you know fully rated and legal seats uh fixed back um, composite seats. They also have a halo. Um, so that means there's a, a small part that juts out that kind of loosely contains your helmet, um, for side to side. Um, so if, if you were to get into a side impact, it just keeps you somewhat from overextending your neck. Um, and you know, on a nice lazy day at the end of a track day, you can kind of like lean into <laughs> it. I have fallen asleep that way. Riding, riding. Um, yeah, they're good for naps in yeah, the passenger seat. They really are. <laughs> but I got a pair of those uh, because I definitely want to be able to still take people along for rides. Obviously, not when I'm competing. Um, and I want to be able to. I want to share the sport, so I I, I need to have to with. Many organizations, including Jayzilla, there's a requirement that you have equal safety for your passenger as you have for your driver. And I think that comes from a good place. I think the whole point of that is, you know, if you're making it safe for you, you should you should consider the safety of, uh, of your passenger just as much. <laughs> so I got another one of those just like it. Um, Did you get harnesses already? Not yet? Not yet. So okay. uh, going back to what I was saying, I priced out the harnesses, and they were still cheaper. But the pair of harnesses would cost only $25 more if I bought them locally. Mm. And I figured for 25 bucks, let me throw a bone to a local shop. So I, I plan to buy from Discovery Parts here yeah. at Atlanta Motorsports Park. They're great. Those guys are awesome. They support Jay's Little Track Days. Um, I've learned so much from Ron as far as safety and everything like that. Yeah, he's the, a smart guy. Yeah. The least I can do is pay an extra $13 per, per harness <laughs> and... You know, as a as a thank you and, and do some business with them. Yeah, probably get it faster too. Um, and you also bought your K-Swap kit officially. Even though it's not going in yet, you're starting to amass the long parts list of things that we're going to put into it. Here's <laughs> the advantage of a long, um, a long timeline to build a car, right? You buy when the deal comes up. Oh, yeah. But unfortunately, that's meant... That I've shelled out a lot of money right now that I don't really need right now, which is, you know, it is what it is. I um, I got the K-Swap kit 
as a sponsorship deal. And, and I'm, I want to talk all about sponsorship here in a little bit. Um, it is far more complex than you might think on the surface. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I bought my K-Swap kit. Um, those things are flying off shelves. And it's going to be four to six weeks before I can get my hands on it. Um, but I'm so pumped. I'm, I'm glad we got that, that started. Yeah. I got the K24Z3 race swap package. They call it the race swap package because it doesn't come with a harness. It it's, doesn't come with a few things that are put together to work out of the box with like K-Pro. Um, mm-hmm. Because on a Facebook group, I found a Haltech ECU and all the sensors I would need for sale lightly used. Yep. And so again, more money that I didn't need to spend right off the bat. I pulled the trigger on that. And now I've got, uh, I've got the ECU that I need. I've got the swap kit on order. I'm going to need to start chasing down a motor. Now, quick plug right here. If you're listening to this <laughs> and you know of a 2009 K24Z3 built between January and April, which I, I guess an early VIN. I don't even know how to figure that out. Well, I'm going to figure that out later. If you can find a 2009 K24Z3, please let me know. Uh, there's a great story behind that, and I won't dig into it much, but I worked for Honda during those months, and I worked on the machining line for that motor. I built those motors. So how cool would it be to actually race one? Yeah. So I, I'm trying to chase down one of those motors, and that is kind of all I know that I need to complete that swap. I'm sure there's going to be other stuff I'm not aware of. But, yeah. But that's that yeah, that's that. So, I still need wheels and I need tires and this is cool. Falcon sp- sponsors this series, the Club TR. Mm-hmm. Um class. And if you run the HPDE or Club TR and you're going to run Falcon tires, maybe even GLTC or whatever. If you're running Grid Life and you run the Falcons, um they have a program where they're going to send you swag, and I, I know there's some kind of discount on the tires. Maybe they're free. I doubt they're free. That would be awesome. But that's either way, too I good to be true. It. I know, right? <laughs> um, so I signed up for that. I got to figure out how to fit two forty fives on of the RT six sixties under my fenders, and that should also fit two twenty five Hoosiers um, on the same setup. I don't know how difficult that's going to be, so I'm trying to get those wheels somewhat soon. Yeah. So that I can test fit and make sure that uh, this is possible, <laughs> and and then I'll I'll then I'll be set. I'll be ready to go. Yeah, I know it's been done before. Uh, lots of fifteen by tens with extreme fender rolling and whatnot. So if you're going with a nine and a half and you're going to run a two forty five instead of a two fifty five, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. We'll we'll give it a try. See what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So. Cool. All right, that's my very slow Miata. Let's talk about a Miata that's not so slow. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, my Miata, I might... Uh, well, first off, I'm going to pick it up tomorrow from the place that built it. Exciting. It's had a extended stay with them if they've, as they've been ironing out some of the smaller issues and everything with the swap. Um, supposedly, it's running great. great. So I'm going to go pick it up tomorrow, and then on Friday... There is someone coming from Boston to look at it and potentially buy it and put it on a trailer and take it home. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a quick turnaround. I have pretty much 
100% decided that I am going to sell it. And then I'm going to put the money into the E46 and try to get that track ready as soon as possible. So I can do that for a lot less money and the, the Miata is just soaking up more and more. And I'm, I'm at that point in the, in the build where I have spent what I thought that the entire build would cost and I still have a good bit to go. Mm. So, um, yeah, just, uh, just looking at, at how to move forward. And, and I think the E46 is the path to take. So maybe it'll be gone this weekend. Maybe it'll be gone by the time listeners listen to this. Um, but I am trying to sell it. So that's, what's next up for that thing. Yes. You know, I've, I've committed a sin here that I've not come up with an overall budget in my car. <laughs> so I'm putting myself at the same kind of risk. <clears throat> so I don't I don't know what that's going to look like. I I think the number, the real number in my head is like 20,000. I I think it's very likely to be higher. I think it's quite unlikely to be lower. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like crossing my fingers and toes and just <laughs> hold my breath and going for it which is not the best plan yeah i'll i'll be transparent just briefly about how much money i've spent on this car um just so that people get an idea of kind of the rabbit hole that you can go down i think that might be helpful for some people um so i had i had originally budgeted about twenty five thousand dollars to build this from start to finish uh bought the car for four grand and then uh you know did uh, went ahead and did the engine swap that whole thing from from uh, chassis to running and driving car is about ten thousand uh, dollars, and then so I was about you know fourteen fifteen into it uh, to get it finished, and then since then I've done like I've completely refreshed the cooling system. I've done new brakes. I've done uh, a couple other like aluminum door cards. Uh, I did buy wheels and tires for it, like all that stuff. I ended up. Um, and a few other things that I'm forgetting too. I ended up around 22 grand, I would say, all in. And I was, and it does not have a, a cage in it or a roll bar. I have not purchased the seats and harnesses yet. Um, and I had not purchased the suspension yet, which is going to be like $3,000. So mm. basically, I was, I, I was $22,000 into a $25,000 build, realizing that I needed to spend like 10 grand more on it. And, uh, and also all of that on top of the fact that it just hasn't been reliable even to drive on the street, um, that I started to seriously consider about maybe moving to a different platform that is just going to be a little cheaper and more reliable for, for me to run. So learn from my mistakes, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and, and then uh, maybe learn from mine, but I'm hoping my path, this, this K swap yeah. is going to be a good one. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that that have built these successfully and and a lot of those are right there in GLTC. The problem is when I've seen cars come up for sale that are GLTC ready, those things are like 35 to $60,000. Yeah. And I if I can really get my car built for 20, I'm I'm the underdog as far as car build. So I I I have to admit I'm really nervous about this whole thing. I really am. I'm I'm excited about it. I really want to do this. I'm going to do this. But I don't I don't know. Maybe I can get sponsors on board. Maybe that enables me to end up building a forty thousand dollar car and now I'm I'm in there with the big boys. Yep. But I don't know. I I just I don't see myself being able to fund a forty thousand dollar build. 
yeah. uh, and and still be able to go out and race because I got to pay for my hotels. I got to get people out there to help me, and and you know at the very least I'm going to buy them meals. I mean I I got to like travel. I've got to fuel whatever rig is going to get the car up there, um, or pay somebody to transport the car. Um, I I got to you know hotels like that. There's just so many expenses. Yeah. Um, I th- I think that you're right on the money with uh with twenty, especially if you can make some of those sponsorships happen like you're saying so that way they're paying like that last 30 ish percent you know maybe it's someone gives you a discount on a kit that you apply in some place or another like uh came out a kit i think you got a little bit of a discount on that the tires are another good example like yeah if like it's just that last little bit that you'll, you know you might you'll probably end up in real money spending 25 maybe a little more on it but um but yeah, I think it's I think it's totally doable with with sponsorship in mind. Well, let's jump into that. I, I want to talk about sponsorship a little bit because that's a big sure. part of this game. Um, so there's a lot of really good podcasts out there and resources where people talk about sponsorship. And the one th- the one takeaway from all of those is sponsorship is not three parts. It's it's not that simple. Everybody's like, oh well. I'll put your sticker on my car and you'll give me thousands of dollars. <laughs> and that, that's just not real. That's yeah. not that's not what actually happens. Um, and I'm still discovering what it really looks like. Uh, one of my favorite resources out there is um, what Koenig has been putting together. They have like these – they go live like every week and they mainly talk about a lot of sponsorship stuff. They, they want to inform people on what it's like. They give out a lot of sponsorships, um, but I'm sure they get a ton of awful, awful like pitches. People are like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I just bought a 2012 um, STI, and it's my dream car, and it's totally stock. But if you give me wheels, then it's going to have wheels, and I'm going to take it to car <laughs> and And it's just, you know, you yeah. know they get those all the time, and people mean well but that's just not how it works so i've been struggling with this a lot because i'm trying to build a lot of content and get it out there and have a platform that's that i'm proud of that i can pitch to these companies and say look i can present your brand in a positive light i in a very real way i can connect you with customers and, and things like that um but then again, there's still so many people that even do that and do that well. Mm-hmm. So I've been struggling a lot. And internally, I, I'm concerned that it's like, man, I don't want to offer up to every company like, oh, I can create all this media content for you and distribute to all these people and then find out that they all want to take that deal. And now <laughs> I've got like five jobs. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm scared of getting into that kind of situation too. So I've been really nervous about putting together my my deck, my like pitch deck for sponsors to, to then hand out because I'm not sure I want to live up to what I can promise in, in a sponsor pitch. So that's been holding me back. Um, here's what has been working. And this is something that's taken me a decade or more. Hmm. And that is networking and getting into the industry and this seems like a weird like one-off way but I, I don't think it is i think this is actually a natural path and that is kind of getting a job in the industry and you're like well 
I've got a day job and I like it. I do too. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not <laughs> saying quit your day job. Corey and I both are staff with Jaisal Attract Days. Yep. And that is a job. We have responsibilities. Uh, we have to hold up to those responsibilities. And we get compensated for it. It's not always pay. Sometimes it's it's just track time. But, but it's it's a job. Yeah. And it puts us in the industry. I do web work. I do software. And at one point, I got to work with uh, a great creative agency called Studio Road. And I've built websites for some um, parts manufacturers in the aftermarket. And in part of that relationship, I got to go to PRI, which is, if you're not familiar with it, it's in Indiana. And it's like SEMA, but smaller and a little more boutique. So you kind of get some more face-to-face. That's cool. It, it's really awesome. And, and I've got to meet a lot of really cool people that way. And being in the industry just changes things that ever little amount. And all of a sudden, you're more of a peer, and you get to approach differently. But it, So it's not just that, though. It's not just, oh, I know some people. That certainly helps. But then the, the next step was I've worked very closely with James at JZL Attract Days. And what we've been able to do is he has relationships with companies that sponsor his track days. And so... Jayzilla is really going to be my primary sponsor. And I've given him a lot of value over the years. And of course, he's given me probably far more. But <laughs> his sponsorship to me is going to largely be how he helps connect me in to other sponsorships. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to this K Miata. I got a discount on my K Swap kit. If it took a really long time to make that happen for a very good reason. They can't keep these things on shelves. Think about this as if you ran this business. You're trying to do everything you can just to satisfy the demand that's coming to your door. When tons of people are writing to you saying, hey, I want it at a discount. Like, why would you even spend time doing it? So it's, this is where it comes back to, this is a two-way street. It's not just, Hey, I'll run your sticker. Give me free parts. I I went to K Miata and I went through Jayzilla because they have a good relationship. And Jayzilla, well, their sponsorship to me was to utilize that relationship to help me here because we're going to work closely together. That I'm going to generate the value, the marketing value for K Miata at the Jayzilla events in addition to what I'm racing mm-hmm. here. So I am I am now now my job is to go race and represent in the Grid Life series and to attend and represent at the Jayzilla events yeah. right and through through how they broadcast. And with as much coaching as you do and as many ride-alongs as you take people on like that I think K Miata knows how important of a connection that is like literally the entire southeast and also all the track days that you go to at various different tracks and in different areas in the southeast it's everybody's going to be riding in Kevin Bandy's K-Swapped Miata. And that is that is a very powerful marketing tool that, that they recognize, I think. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's still, there's a lot of element of they're taking a chance on me still because I, I shouldn't earn any of this yet because <laughs> I'm an unaccomplished racer. I've, I've not been racing. So it's, it's a tough sell. If I were Ben or Ben... 
from Gears of Gasoline, it'd be like, look, we're not, we haven't raced, but we can prove that we can generate world class content. Yeah. And then that's a different game, right? I, I haven't been able to prove that I can create even like uh, consistent content. <laughs> so hey, we're we're getting there. We're we're this is the best that we've done. This is <laughs> this is good. Corey's keeping me keeping me going, like making this happen. Um, so that that's the reality. Of this. It's not easy, and especially right now, I I don't understand it fully, but with COVID and everything and these stimulus checks, like the automotive aftermarket is on fire everything is just clean cleaning up shelves this is not the time when you as an automotive aftermarket supplier or business you're not thinking how do i raise more awareness and get more sales you're thinking how do i get enough material generate my product quickly enough and fulfill my orders yeah so this is the wrong time to be approaching companies with hey sponsor me yeah but it's impressive that you've had some success in the ways that you've had it um you want to talk about the wing <laughs> this one's for fun. the 128 yeah this is a fun story so i um through jayzilla yeah again. I, I again you um, make a lot of friends there and it's people especially in that community it's people that own different companies that are doing automotive things and non-automotive things you just make all these connections and you make actual friends with people and you, you might not even realize that they are they work at this cool place that does car stuff but then it it sometimes ends up like like this does. So I, w- I won't ruin it for you. For it. <laughs> well, there's a guy that um, shows up in the Jayzilla paddock quite frequently. His name is Johnny Chikowski. And apart from having a crazy last name, what's interesting about him is he started an aero company. He builds wings. Or wangs, as he likes to call them, <laughs> with an A. Um, he has quite an accomplished background in supporting uh, race programs uh, and he was kind of like the, I think he was mainly the brakes guy or maybe brakes and arrow guy. I think he spent some time doing seats too. Um, but yeah. Oh, the, the company is called Nine Lives Racing. So you've probably heard of him. Yeah. And, and he's really gotten his name out there well. Um, and so Nine Lives Racing makes these wings and he caught me across the paddock and said, hey, hey, Bandy, I want to make a wing for your car. I was like, uh, yeah, that's cool. And, uh, he's like, yeah, just, just contact me when, when the week's over or whatever. And we'll, we'll figure out a time. And I've seen him do this with other people before. Uh, our, our buddy Sonny had one of the, or has one of the new Supras. And one day it showed up to an event just covered in dust and looked awful. (laughs) I was like, what the heck happened? And he said, yeah, Johnny scanned my car so that they could build a wing kit for it i was like oh interesting so i contacted them we made this happen and by the way i had no idea this is how it works (laughs) they put all this like spray chalk on my car and it was literally something you could get from like michael's or from like (laughs) yeah and they just like spray this spray chalk all over my car and he literally just took a very basic dslr camera on a like an a walmart clearance aisle you know tripod and (laughs) just parked out in the parking lot they just set it in a bunch of places and took a bunch of pictures and literally they were able to put this through some crazy software i mean that this guy's you know he goes georgia tech he is brilliant he's got (laughs) access to awesome stuff and knows what he's doing um but they came back with a 3d model 
of the back of my car. I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, super awesome. And then they're, I was like, cool, now they're going to go make a, a wing. And so at some point, Johnny posts something on Facebook after I post on something. And he's like, hey, I'm welding up your wing. I'm like, wait, what? I get what? <laughs> I was like, I, I never ordered one. I just like showed up to have it scanned because you said you wanted to scan one. And, and so then it, here we come up on the end of March. It was the last day in March, which was, I think, yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, and he said, and he posted something about it, or I I contacted him. I I forgot exactly how it happened. And he's like, oh, I've got your wing. I was like, so what's the deal there? And he's like, you ordered one, right? I was like, I, no, I haven't budgeted for this. (laughs) And he's like. He's like, okay, well, I am really close to hitting this awesome revenue target I've got for this month. In fact, I am $662 and some odd cents away from hitting this revenue target. <laughs> the, the wing's like 870 bucks retail. He's like, if you can find someone to sell this wing to for $663 today, then you get this wing. I was like what (laughs) and so i'm like all right this is how i earn my sponsorship he's like i'll sponsor you with this wing that that was his wording i was like okay here's how i get my sponsorship i just gotta sell a always b b c closing always be closing like i had (laughs) you know the reference yeah (laughs) yes so i i had to like you know uh i had to like channel that uh that inner salesman and make this happen so i i i throw a post up on on Instagram. No, first I go straight to the only other guy that I know that tracks a one series and talks about it. Like I consider him like my closest peer in the one series tracking world. And that's this guy named Besom or I'm sure I'm pronouncing his name wrong. We've only talked over text. I hate that about this, but <laughs> <laughs> but he's if you if you look up um Besom X Cars, uh you'll find he's he's like just like me he tracks a one series he's he likes drifting like very very similar you know kind of thing and he made a really cool video about his 128 that was part of my research when i went to get mine Hmm. so i reached out to him because we've chatted a bunch about setup and things like that um and so i was like man i got a deal i got like a crazy good deal like hit me back um and i was trying to see if i could get him to buy this wing um i was like man like i would even split that cost with you like because we're both gonna end up with a wing in this deal yeah and i was like this is a ridiculous deal and you'll never get this price again and he's like man i think that's gonna push me into another class like i don't think i'll ever use it I'm like oh <laughs> yeah and so he's like did you like post about it on instagram i was like yeah, you're right. I need to do that. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to get you first. So I, I put an Instagram story up that says, like, if you track a one series, have I got a deal for you? Slide into the DMs. It's got to happen today. And I posted that up, and he posted it as well. He, he shared it on his, his Instagram. And between the two of us, I think we have access to all of the one series market. Yeah. And the tracks. And so... It's not a very big market. It's not but, very big. But it's out there. But I think yesterday, I literally contacted everyone that tracks the one series. Um, if not, get in touch with me. Let's let's be friends. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Um, so I was like, okay, what are all the one series track cars that I ever encountered? I was like, okay, Michelle Abadi has a 135i. It's her daily, but eh, she tracks it. <laughs> so I hit her up and she's a West Coaster, does like really awesome stuff. She runs Trans Am, very cool. Look her up. Um, she got me a deal on my Boxo Tools thing, which was really cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so I hit her up and she's like, yeah, I'm not really interested. It's my daily. I'm like, okay, I get it. I was like, early sponsorship days. And she's like, I know that. <laughs> I was like, cool. Um, so I was like, all right, what else? Oh, when I raced WRL, there was a race team there called Thunder Bunny Racing. And those guys have a 128i that they track. <laughs> and so I like reached out to somebody I met that was like working on the car there. And he's like, ah, let me check for you. And he got a hold of them. They're like, yeah, they're not interested. I'm like, dang. <laughs> I was like, what else? It's the way it goes sometimes. I know. <laughs> and then I was like, ooh, Sarah Montgomery raced the 25 hours of Thunder Hill in a 128i, like a few years back. Yeah. So I hit her up. And I was like, hey, do you know the people that ran that 128? She's like, yeah, yeah. And I told her about it. And she like connected with them. We're like, oh, they, they weren't interested. I'm like, dang, striking out. And then meanwhile, I, I've got... I've got a few friends that I know with one series that, that intend to track them. And so I reached out to them directly. And most of what I got was, oh man, I'm not ready for a wing or something like that. Yeah. I was like, I get that. I was like, but you could buy a separate trunk and not have to run it all the time. And I got, I swear to you, I got like 17 people that I was able to contact that track one series. That's impressive on its own. Just in as one a night. standalone. Yeah, that's one night. that's impressive. I got a hold of all those people, but I couldn't close. <laughs> um, hey, it happens. So I, I like, you know, tail tucked between my legs. I went back to Johnny. I was like, I, I tried. I got in front of a bunch of people. Um, I think there's uh, a few people that might be interested uh, if there's also a splitter, but nobody's ready to buy today. That's why it left out. Did you find another way to, to make the money? He's like, yeah, man, I got it. You can have that wing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually know that was the ending. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> so that happened this morning. So I, I, uh, it's pretty funny. I, I didn't actually need to do it, but I'm glad I did. It was a fun exercise. Yeah. It's a cool story. And honestly, I, I'm really tied into the community now and when he's ready to start moving these i'd be like hey what i'm probably going to do is go back to to johnny and say hey do you want to give me like a five percent discount code or something so that i can just track if i can send you some referrals yeah because maybe i can reach out to my network and get some people to buy and not to mention marketing and the way that it works a lot of the time it's people that are coming back after they've heard about something so you probably put nine lives into like, I don't know, 10 of those people's heads for the first time. They'd never even thought about it or maybe even never heard of the company. Right. And now it's like top of mind. Yeah. So that, that is grassroots marketing. And it's, it's cool that you were part of that. And it ended up in getting a wing yeah. from, from them. So, yeah. <laughs> so it worked out. And it, it's good, too, because I'm glad we've got this, uh, this sponsorship relationship going because, I mean, I, I plan to run Nine Lives Arrow uh, for the Miata. Um, yep. especially when I get into GLTC, but I yep. think I can run it in Club TR as well. Yeah, so, that's a good kit that they make for the Miata. Yeah. It's super cool. And everybody's running that too. Yep. So that that's set up really well. Um, things are rolling with that. 
But I want to make sure we leave time to answer some questions. So, yeah. Corey? Yeah, sure. I can start us off. Um, so we have a few questions here uh, that we got via social media or elsewhere. Um, okay, first things first. We forgot to give our social media handles and also YouTube <laughs> channels in the last video. And a couple people asked us about it. So you want to go first? What's your? Yeah. Where do we find Kevin Bandy? Yes. So I am in a lot of places under Bandygram. I, <laughs> when I first got Instagram, my friends were like, oh, this thing's so stupid. Like, we'll just, we'll just put Graham behind her name because it's silly. And then it stuck, and it <laughs> stuck, and then I finally came back around and decided I liked Instagram a lot, um, and so I've stuck with it. So Bandygram, B-A-N-D-Y-G-R-A-M, is my Instagram, but it's also my YouTube, and I think that's what I made for my TikTok. I still haven't figured out TikTok. Um, maybe Clubhouse, <laughs> too. So that's that's me. Yeah, cool. And for me... Uh Basically, my YouTube channel is kind of where I started putting everything out into the real world for the first time, and that is The Enthusiast Perspective. Uh, and I have The Enthusiast Perspective on Instagram, Facebook, even like LinkedIn. <laughs> I just went and got went the whole, the whole gambit uh, in YouTube. And then if you really want to follow me on Instagram, it's Corey R. Funk. Uh, so C-O-R-E-Y-R-F-U-N-K, Corey R. Funk on Instagram. So feel free to follow us there, follow along with what we're doing. Um, I post in both places. I know most of your stuff is on Bandygram. So cool. That was an easy one. Very easy. Next question. I like it. Okay, next question. Um, this one is actually from Ray, Ray, our beer sponsor. So yeah. thank you again to Ray. Shout out to Ray. <laughs> yeah. This drink is brought to you by Ray. <laughs> yep. So... Uh, he was asking, Ray actually drives a front wheel drive car. He has a Honda Civic and it's K swapped. And, uh, we have a couple of other friends that drive Honda Civics or front wheel drive cars and pretty much everything we've recommended up to this point, we've pretty much said buy Miata, buy an old BMW, you know, buy something along those lines that, and in all cases, it's been rear wheel drive in our recommendation. So he was just asking, uh, you know, why haven't we recommended anything front wheel drive or even all wheel drive? And is there anything else we can provide to kind of give our thinking behind the cars that we pick so far? So do you want to tee us off or I can, I can give it a go? Yeah, I'll, I'll try first and then you, you add to it. Um, so front wheel drive is without a doubt, fully capable of being incredibly fast and being a great track car. Oh, yeah. If you look at um, Grid Life Time Attack, it's a perfect example. I think the fastest car, at least around Road Atlanta, is an Integra. Yeah. It's like the fastest three cars are like all yeah. front-wheel drive, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. And if I had to theorize why, um, I would say that all your drivetrain and everything is focused in one place. And it's like, why does that matter? Well, that's where the weight is. So you can make the rest of the car basically just along for the ride you need just enough strength <laughs> to connect the arrow and to have somewhere for the driver to sit <laughs> that's about it um that's so a funny way of putting it but it's actually pretty accurate yeah. yeah so you know the equivalent would be um i guess in theory you could make the same argument about like a 911 mm -hmm. you know or or maybe Maybe a mid-engine car or something, but you still have steering rack and everything that's a little bit heavy, and that's all up front. Nobody builds a rear steer, rear rear engine car. Yeah. So there's there's some argument for that, but 
I, um, I've not spent a whole lot of time in front-wheel drive on the track. I bought the Miata because everyone talked me into Miata, and I'm glad they did. But now that I've driven a bunch of rear-wheel drive, I really enjoy the power oversteer part mm -hmm. of the game. And that is gone if you go front-wheel drive. So it is different, uh, but again, it can be very fast. Um, yeah, I might come up with other stuff. Corey, you pick up now. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. Uh, Front-wheel drive, incredibly capable. You can arguably get the car lighter just because of the design of it. Um, and most of the you know K-swapped Civics that we're looking at, whatever they may be, uh, they're super light, like 2,000 pounds and under. And they make a lot of power, too. Like those uh, K24 and our friend's EK Civic, uh, Anthony, shout out to Anthony. Uh, I think it made like 240 wheel and like 190 torque, something like that. That's crazy. Which is a lot for yeah. a car that weighs, you know, 2,000 pounds. Um, so, yeah, very capable. The, my thing about rear-wheel drive is you're training different muscle memory driving rear-wheel drive, uh, even in your entry-level car. And when you look at all of the fastest supercars and all of the most competitive race cars in the higher level of racing, they're almost exclusively rear-wheel drive. In the supercar front, maybe they're, maybe they're all-wheel drive, but like they're going to be rear-wheel rear -wheel drive focused. And like you said, power oversteer is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a lot of fun uh, by yourself with passenger uh, at a at a track day, wherever you may be, power oversteer is fantastic and it, and it and is a lot of fun. And not to say you could still get oversteer out of a front wheel drive car. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But um, not power oversteer. Yeah, you're not going to be on the limit, foot to the floor, counter steering, just like smoky drift out of turn six <laughs> at AMP. And I think that, yeah, I would, I would argue that rear wheel drive is a little more fun and it prepares you a little better to drive much faster cars in the future. Uh, and it, you're training that muscle memory of, uh, you know, when the car does this, I need to steer this way and I need to do this with the throttle. And you are just practicing those things very early on where some of the things, if you're starting in a front wheel drive car, you're going to have to unlearn those. If, if you hop in, say a buddy's C6 Z06 at a track day or something, you're going to have to rewire your brain to, Oh, the car goes sideways instead of just going foot flat to the floor and pointing the wheels where I want to go. Like you would in a front wheel drive car. <laughs> it's like, no, if you go foot to the floor, you're going to be looping it. So you have, it's just, it's training, it's training different things into your, into your brain. And, and both of them have their benefits. If you're going to be in front wheel drive for a long time, then uh, by all means have at it. Even if you're going to, you know, you're going to switch to rear wheel drive later, it can be really good to get that front wheel drive experience. Cause that will help you when you, if you're you're driving an all-wheel drive car later or if you're driving a very fast front-wheel drive car they're all important skills to learn but my personal choice for most fun is almost always going to go to rear-wheel drive yeah i agree with that and i think uh i but i will say that now since i have so much seat time in rear-wheel drive and so little in front-wheel drive i'm looking to get some more front-wheel drive seat time yeah. just just to expand my horizons and like expand my skill sets a little bit yep um good for that for and sure. i know we haven't talked much about all-wheel drive and there's a reason for that not that all-wheel drive is, is bad, but all-wheel drive really drives almost identical to front-wheel drive in most cases. So what we say about all-wheel drive, or front-wheel drive applies to all-wheel drive, except <laughs> you're not going to build an all-wheel drive uh, car lighter than anything else. It, there's just more drivetrain. Yeah. And, and the, I think that's a lot of the reason why we don't see much all-wheel drive in 
you know, in the higher echelon in motorsports. Yeah. All-wheel drive is expensive and heavy. Mm-hmm. And those two things are typically ruling it out for most of the people that are trying to build an entry-level track car. Um, and there are certainly cars that are built to over, like the Focus RS, for example, or maybe like an Audi R8. You can get a little more oversteer out of it, even though it has an all-wheel drive even system. Even a GTR. GTR yep. is a very rear-wheel drive bias. GTR. Yeah. But um, yeah, for the, for the most part, you're, uh, you can learn those skills and spend a lot less money in a front-wheel drive car or rear-wheel drive car. Now, we're, we're talking about on pavement. When you get off pavement, it's yeah. a different world, and all-wheel Good drive point. starts to make a lot of sense. Um, I, I just don't have an experience in that world. I'd like to. Again, expanding horizons. Yeah, yeah. And Very in fact, point. I think uh, I think front-wheel drive is actually an excellent option um, if you want to get into like rallycross and some of that stuff. Yep, it sure is. Um, okay, can I move us on to the next Let's question? Let's do it. All right. Uh, I know we're we're going a little long here, but we'll keep going. Okay, so two things that people brought up uh, after the last. Uh, podcast that we did related to your first track day and kind of entry-level expenses. So two things, cost of consumables and track day insurance. Those are two things that we didn't talk a whole lot about. um, And now's probably the best time to dive into it. Cool. So we put up a little chart and uh, it had some prices and I think it was a pretty good summary to pull out um, some of what we talked about in last episode. But it, it got some comments, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and they were really fair points. Um, so we put in there like, oh, well, you know, to go karting, it's 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. And to do like an experience, something like extreme experience, it could be like $400. Um, but a track day is 250 And people are like, ha, huh, 250 for a track day since when? <laughs> and then people start getting into the technicalities. And, and there's a really good point there. So there is a bit of a spread in entry fee costs for a track day. 250 is on the lower end for a single day. Um, and it can go up and can get quite expensive. Now, the difference between a track day and karting and endurance karting and an experience and arrive and drive endurance racing and all these other things is that you're bringing your car. Yep. So when you bring your car, some things happen. You put your car at risk, <laughs> you use up your tires, you use up your brakes, you use up your gas, and, and when you add all that up, yes, it, it can get expensive. Now, I want to make sure this doesn't get lost. If this is your first track day, mm-hmm. and you show up with enough tire and enough brake and everything else, more often than not, I, and I, I don't mean 51% of the time, I'd say 90% of the time, You'll leave with the only thing that you might need to do to your car is definitely clean it. But you you might um, you might have a soft pedal and you you might want to you know flush your your brake system after that. But the amount of brake pad that you use or the amount of tire that you consume in a single track day at a novice skill level, and I don't I'm not talking down. This is just reality is going to be insignificant enough that you don't really need to budget for it. Yeah, 100% agree. I would say a novice track day is like probably about the same stress on your vehicle as like driving up and down a decent mountain. <laughs> like if, if you're going on a little like mountain drive with your buddies, like 
that's probably about what you'll do in a novice track day, just being realistic. You're not going to waste your brakes and tires and uh, need to change all your fluids immediately. Like, it's probably not going to be that hard on the car. Um, if you're going to go once a month and you're going to do it for a whole year, then, like, yeah, now you got to start thinking about your skills are going to be coming up as you're using more consumables and the cost is going to increase and, and all of that's going to come into play. Yes, consumables are, are somewhat expensive. Um, I don't know about you. I usually do, like, one set of tires, one set of brake pads, and, like, a full fluid flush, like, once a year. That That's kind of, like, my standard for... Uh, for my uh, my car, but I I only do you know an event a month, maybe two events in a month here or there. I think I go through like three or four sets of pads and rotors and five sets of tires. Whoa! In a, in a single year? <laughs> yeah. I guess you do do a lot more events than I do. I I do a bunch of them. Um, and you're usually driving to the events too. And I street drive. Yeah. Right. So that's mixed in there, um, but. And that's the interesting thing. I run pretty extreme camber, um, and I drive on somewhat sticky tires, 200 tread wear all the time. And you're like, man, that'll really wear them out on the street. Yeah, but if you track as often as I do, it's negligible. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I just – I don't know if that's quite the number, but I do remember um, my last set of tires. I did the math, and I only got 4,000 miles out of them, and I, I drive like 20,000 miles a year. So yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot, (laughs) but I'm, I'm pretty extreme about this. I mean, I've been doing like 20 plus days a year. Yeah. You're like, if you don't do two track days in a month, like something is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. And it's weird. I don't have like almost anything planned for April and May. Yeah. Which is like never happened before except COVID last year, I guess. Yeah. I'd like to get there too. Um, uh, one note just about insurance. I think most track day insurance companies, from what I've seen, it's about 1% of the value of the car. So if you have a $100,000 car, you'll spend $1,000 for a day driving at the track. Ooh, an interesting caveat to that is the least I've seen as far as like the price stops going down even if you request less dollar figure is 20000 So your minimum... Um, coverage amount is like twenty thousand dollars if you declare less you pay the same amount um so i i have actually bought insurance a number of times just because i was like you know what if this weekend's the weekend i lose my car (laughs) i want to just go to a shop buy the first car that comes up that i like send it to the shop buy all the parts at at retail price and hire the shop to build my car back so that next month I don't miss a track day. <laughs> to me, that was worth $170. And $170 is usually where it shakes out um, after taxes and everything. And that covers up to three days. This is an interesting thing about track day insurance. Most of the policies I've seen are good for up to three days. If it's a one-day event, you pay $170. If it's a Saturday, Sunday, it's a two-day, you pay $170. If it's a oh, Friday, really? Saturday, Sunday, you pay $170. Oh, that's some life hacks, track day hacks right there. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so it, it's weird. That's why it's like, oh, sh- show me those. Like if I had a f- – and this is where – this is getting into like the you're, you're all in and you're drunk on the whole like track day idea like I am. If you've got <laughs> like I, – I think the ultimate is – You've got your super purpose-built track car that you tow to the track, 
And then you've got your really fun, cool car you've always wanted to own that's got a ton of go, and like you'd feel silly if you never took it to the track. Drive that one on the three day events because you get more for your for your track insurance dollar. Yeah. Right? Like let's say I had a SS one L E that I bought for like, you know, forty grand or something like that. I'm not I can't afford to track that thing all the time. Yep. But if there's a three day event, I might sign up in that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd burn through a lot of tire, but I could buy my four hundred dollar track day insurance and it's insured all three days. Yep. So I don't know, that's kinda how I look at it. And oh I'll go ahead and plug then. Um, one of the w- going back to what I said about sponsors and like being in the industry, you start to pick up on who is really eager to give out sponsorships. And the one that I feel like is investing heavily into the amateur motorsport stuff um, in this arena is Haggerty. Mm-hmm. Haggerty sponsors Jay Zilla Track Days, Jay Zilla Podcast. They bought Motorsports Reg. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So they're really into this world. So I figured if I were to go after somebody as a sponsor, um, Haggard would be the one. In fact, I think I've got a Haggerty sticker on my car. I think they sponsor <laughs> uh, SCCA's Time Trial Nationals, and so I was required to run a, a sticker. Yeah, they're really getting themselves into grassroots motorsport in a variety of different ways so good for them good on them absolutely yeah when i uh when i ran with just track it they were sponsored by lockton affinity Mm -hmm. and so that's it's another very popular choice that one's popular i think it's what there's another one called like open track or i don't remember that one there's another one and what's really cool about this other one i can't remember the name is they have a annual price Ooh, yeah. it's like a membership. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was like, that's interesting. Um, I, I looked it up once, and I think for my car, it would have been like $1,500. What? For the whole year? For the whole year. No. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's a game changer. But, but that's for, for like $20,000 for the coverage. Yeah, I mean. But still. I'm impressed by that. I am too. I very much like to see the numbers on that. Well, see, I don't understand how they how they come up with, how they underwrite this thing, because you get such like like these weird things about like you drive three times as much and you get you pay the same amount yeah if it's in the same weekend it it's weird yeah. so i think they're thinking like they're just going to get enough people that think they're going to run a bunch but they run three events a year yeah and for the one guy me who decides to run like 25 events a year they're like whatever everyone else is funding your way yeah yeah so I guess if, if you're going to get insurance uh, for the track, which we think is a great idea, especially if you have a nice car, um, you're probably going to end up adding a couple hundred bucks to whatever you would spend on the initial entry fee. And then if you're going to track a lot, like once a month or more, uh, you're, you're going to take consumables into account. Maybe once a season, maybe twice a season, maybe if you're Kevin, <laughs> five times a season. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, we're... we're Nickel and diming for a hundred dollars here, a hundred dollars there, um, but yeah, a few hundred bucks more than more than the initial entry fee. What we were discussing last time was just entry fee. Yeah, and that that chart was just entry fee, which uh, it's a fair point. It's not the whole picture. Yeah, and, and you got to think about all that. But but I want to make sure that caveat is clear. If you're just going to show up for your first track day, most of those expenses don't really apply. And it, honestly, I don't I don't urge people to get track insurance, even if they have a nice car. Um, when they're going for their first track day. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because things are, are so much more under control 
Everyone has an instructor with them. The track record is fantastic. Um, I know in the clubs that I've run in, I don't think any of them have ever had car-to-car incident mm-hmm. in, in Green Group. Um, it's not impossible. And look, if you're if you can barely afford your car and it would be you know life-altering if something were to happen, okay, fine. Maybe it's worth a couple extra hundred bucks. If for nothing else, you're not going to feel as nervous the whole time. Yep. That's worth it by itself. Yeah, I agree with that. But if you if you uh, if you take what I'm saying to heart and you're like, yeah, I was on the fence, I I'd push you to to know, um, and you know I I like it's a risk and you just have to understand your risk tolerance and since I do this a bunch, you know I, I try to be careful about where I can cost cut and like like we were talking about, we're both staff members and our part of our compensation or all of our compensation sometimes is track time. I pretty much never get track insurance on those days yep. because I usually sometimes I only go out for a session. Yeah. You know, and and I I know when to be like, "Eh, I'm not feeling it. I'm just going to bring it in." <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh I I would say I guess slightly op- opposing if you're on the fence, if you're not sure, just just do it. But also keeping in mind and being honest with myself that I never bought track insurance once for my $14,000 Honda S2000 at any of the track days that I went to. And there were a lot of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, do as I say, maybe not as I, <laughs> as I do, but well, if, I'm, if I'm glad, I'm glad you're hearing, uh, two different opinions on this because you really gotta, it's a personal decision. You really got to think this through. Yeah. If I'm doing 25 track days a year and I pay $170 each, that's $4,000 a year that I would be spending. Right. Yeah, that's a lot. And if my car, Let's let's face it. My car is really worth more like twelve thousand. Mm-hmm. So in in three years, if I just put that into a savings account that made no interest, I would have just bought the car again. Yeah, or certainly fixed a bumper hanging off that you that you Absolutely. knocked off running uh, into something. Let's let's make that clear too. This is not like traditional insurance. You're not going to make a claim on this if you just scratch your bumper yeah. or even crunch your bumper. You're pretty much like. You you are totaling the car and and using the the plan or you're not using the plan and you just paid. Yes, yeah. that's just how it is. Yeah. All right. There's one last question that we haven't gotten to yet, uh, and it is sim racing as a replacement for driving. Mm. Uh, so I think the way that it was proposed here, uh, or the friend that asked us about it, is kind of asking about it as a starting point. Is it a good starting point? Um, I'll, I'll answer since I'm already talking about it. Um, sim racing, to get started, can be somewhat expensive for what you get out of it. So if you're building a proper sim rig, I think in most cases you're going to be spending, especially if it's on PC and not a console, you're, you're going to be spending a couple grand to get it set up. Easily. Um, and I think I view sim racing similarly to autocross or something like that. Um, it's a great starting point. It's a good entry. Uh, you can learn some handling dynamics uh, looking at a screen and using a, a force feedback wheel. But, and, and it's, and I'll say, add one more thing. It's very good for memorizing tracks. So if you're going for to a track that you've never been to before, I can almost guarantee you that it is on Assetto Corsa. And you can find it on there and you can go drive it and kind of get a feel for where corners are and, and just like learn the very basic layout of the track, which can be really, really helpful. And that's a valuable tool. Um, but 
it is never going to be a replacement for actually going and driving. And you feel a lot more in the seat that you don't get while sim racing, uh, which is where you're, you're picking up those, those last tenths and, and, and really starting to go fast. So great starting point. If you're like three or four years in and you're still doing sim racing and only sim racing, then you're probably, it's probably time if you want to move into cars for you to move on. It's a, it's a great stepping stone. If you're there after a long time, it's probably time to get moving. So I, to that last point, I don't know, um, I don't know how beneficial sim racing can be if you are an expert sim racer, um, and I, but I suspect it's better than than us mere mortals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I, I will tell you that I am not alone in being someone who has some real skill in a car, and sucks at sim racing. Yeah. So. There's, there's, it definitely doesn't directly translate that way. Um, and, and I've heard Formula One drivers make the same claim. Yeah, the fact that that difference exists where you can be really, really good at one and really, really terrible <laughs> at the other one, that is almost evidence in itself that sim racing is not an end-all, be-all solution. I will say I, I think there's quite a, a few people who really dive into sim racing, get super, super, super into it, and they show up on their first track day and they got a huge leg up on everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. Um, and I also agree with the learning tracks and that's really why I've got one. Um, and I was hoping I could use it more of a learning tool, but after I got it, I discovered I'm awful at it. So I, (laughs) I don't feel like it's a good medium for me to teach in. Um, but if you're like, Oh man, I would love to learn the other tracks, but I don't want to spend 2,500, $3,000. Yeah. There's something called YouTube. You literally (laughs) can just search for videos of people at the track you're going to and you'd get, I think, 70-80% of what you get in a sim yep. just watching videos. So don't think it's a necessity. Um, if you're totally bought into the tracking stuff and you're curious and you're interested and it sounds like something fun for you to do, yeah, do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I do – I will say I have I have put my hours in at like Road Atlanta and played with different lines and then went back to Road Atlanta and tried the line and picked up time. Yeah. That that is real. Um, you you can find some things and then go apply it in the real world. It is not nothing. Yeah. And in fact, I'm I am planning to commit to a lot more of this as I gear up for this racing season because, like I said, April and May I, I may not have many events, but if I can be on the sim every couple of days, mm-hmm. I'm going to be keeping my mind sharp preparing, because when I uh, when I learned uh, about a lot of autocross, those guys in particular. Once they get off after they've run their first one, or maybe just after they've done a course walk, they'll go back, they'll close their eyes, and they'll drive the whole, the whole thing, and then they'll just do that over and over and over again in the paddock, because in autocross you don't get to lap and lap and lap and then make little corrections while you're driving, you just go and you got to do your perfect lap. Part of the reason it's not the sport for me, <laughs> but but those really good guys, I mean, they just learn to like shut their eyes and like replay it in their head every single motion and then they go out and and they execute so that same kind of thing right you can like you can go and you can put in the repetitions and you can be ready to execute um with sim time so i wouldn't i wouldn't uh dismiss it Mm -hmm. i i largely agree with Corey. i think if we were to score it i would raise rate it a little higher than Corey would but but at the same time like 
it's definitely not the same. I like to do a lot of like FPV drone stuff and everything. <laughs> and you fly with the goggles in a simulator and it's like exactly the same as actually doing it. Because guess what? You're using the same control and the same goggles in real yeah. life. So it, it's, it's very different, um, but there's still value. Let's, let's put it this way. Let's say you are just getting started and you have $1,000 to spend on autocross, kart racing, or sim racing. Those are the three places where people tend to start most often. Where, which, which direction do you go with that 1000 bucks? Well, this part's easy. Sim racing's out because you, you can't do anything useful uh, let's, for Let's say you have a computer. Let's say you have a computer already just to give people the benefit of the doubt. There's going to be a lot of people my, that are like, sim racing is the only way. My chair, pedals, <laughs> and wheel were like 1500 bucks. Okay. I mean, you, you can get like a $400 um, pedal and wheel and... I don't know. It's such a... De- it, it's not terrible. Uh, okay, fair. Um, I, I would be all about the seat time. I think if sure. you're doing the karting, you, you learn how to manage traffic. You learn how to drive consistently. You learn how to look ahead. You learn how to, uh, how to value doing a late apex versus an early apex and what that does mm-hmm. and all of those things for very cheap. Um... What was the other one? I agree with you. I said autocross, karting, Uh, or sim racing. Autocross is the safest way to regularly learn car control. Mm -hmm. I think the car control clinics are the ultimate, but let's face it, they are rare. They're really hard to find. But autocross is not. You can find autocross all over the place. And guess what you can do in autocross? You can spin, and it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And you can can drive your own car and get comfortable with your own car. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I would say kart racing, number one, above and away, nine times out of ten. That's what I'm going to say to put your money towards if you're just trying to build your skills. And then right underneath that would be like, yeah, autocross or car control clinic type of type of work. And then sadly, I'd put some racing at, at the bottom just because it's going to be a little bit more expensive and it's going to take you a little bit longer to get there. It has its advantages, like there's zero risk. <laughs> I mean, besides the initial investment, like you can crash a car spectacularly in sim racing and, and it's going to be fine. You just restart it. <laughs> you know, one of the coolest things I've done exactly to that point is I had my roommate drive. Um, I, I hooked up my nice wheel and pedals and everything to Forza. I didn't know you could do that, but you can do that with the Xbox. Yeah. And... Um, I had him driving Sebring, and we were coming through, I think it was in a Miata or something. It was something that was fairly tail happy. We were coming through turn 17 at Sebring, which is really bouncy. It's under the bridge. It's going onto the front straight. And he he was cooking it pretty quick. <laughs> and he came through, and it spun. I was like, ooh, hit Y to rewind. <laughs> and then he yeah. hit Y to rewind. I was like, okay. Don't lift this time. Stay in the throttle. And he like panicked a little bit and lifted, and he spun. Hit Y again. I was like, stay in the throttle and then put in your counter steer. And he didn't. He was like, oh, that worked. <laughs> and I can't think of any other way that you can immediately replay the same turn and try different things. And for that, like, all right, cool. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. And unfortunately, I haven't seen that in Assetto or iRacing or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Forza's by any means a great simulator, but that feature was very cool, and I was able to teach him a concept in 10 minutes that I would really struggle teaching someone in any other way. Yeah. 
yeah that's a very good point so it, it definitely has its strength strengths and its uses um so cool i think we pretty much agree on that yeah yeah is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we send them off? This has been a long one. Man, I tell you what, I think this was a really good one. Like, yeah. I, I, I think we, we covered a lot of great con, uh, content here. And I'm so thankful that we had questions to answer. That was a really great part of it. Yeah, keep them coming. Definitely. Um, yeah, we don't have, like, a good, like, closing or something. Ah, Give us ideas for it's that. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks, everybody. This was fantastic. Yeah, see you on the next one. See you later.